Welcome back, podcast friends, to I Am Healthy and Fit. I Am Healthy and Fit is the affirmation that begins changing your health and fitness from the inside out. I'm Steve Jordan, your health and fitness coach. I'm extremely grateful you are here with me today on the I Am Healthy and Fit podcast. I release one episode a week with the best of the best health, fitness, and lifestyle gurus. New York Times bestselling authors like Richard Price, Devon Franklin, and Dr. John Rady. World-class athletes like Sugar Ray Leonard, Noah Galloway, and Josh Perry. And so many more amazing guests. These guests will help you learn the lessons they share to keep you on your journey to be healthy and fit from the inside out. I don't want you to miss the opportunity to hear these amazing guests and the wisdom they share. So make sure you subscribe to I Am Healthy and Fit where you are listening right now. In each episode, I provide the contact info like their email, their Instagram handle, their Facebook and website pages. Reach out to them with a token of your gratitude for the information or the lessons that you learned to ask them a question so you have a better chance of being more successful in your pursuit to be healthy and fit. I know they would appreciate hearing from you or know you valued their information. And one last thing, if you haven't yet rated or left a comment on Apple Podcasts for I Am Healthy and Fit, please take 30 seconds to do so. It helps me to know if you are learning from the podcast or even maybe I need to make some improvements to better the listening experience. Whatever your comment is, I want to hear from you and know what you think of the podcast. Thank you in advance for taking the time to do this. Now, please enjoy the show. Welcome, Josh, to the I'm Healthy and Fit podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here today. And I'm really excited to talk to you because you, my man, Fist Pump, are a brain survivor, uh, traumatic brain injury, and as well, um, a person who had brain surgery to... Uh, take out tumors in your head that uh, were, you know, life-threatening. And thank God that uh, you had that uh, injury that caused you to have those x-rays and MRIs to see that. But, uh, you know, my man, uh, I'm excited to talk to you. You've had an outstanding career as a BMX uh, professional, uh, someone who has ridden extreme games or the X Games and uh, many other venues around the world uh, showcasing your highlights. Uh, I have to say that I was envious because when I was a kid, I, I was BMXing, or what I thought was BMXing. Uh, I had my Diamondback uh, bike, and my friends and I would go down to this area called the Pit. Uh, you would have loved it growing up where it was. This pit, it was like a big, probably an oak tree that had been turned over that created this huge like pit that we used to use and jump trees, and we'd light Christmas trees on fire and jump through them and do all this stuff and have like a, you know, have burns and stuff. But it was nothing compared to the stuff that you're doing and we're doing uh, professionally. I mean, it's amazing some of the tricks you're doing, the tail spins and the whips and the, the flips and stuff like that. But, man, you are an incredible athlete and uh, super stoked uh, to have you on this, on this podcast and share with us your insights into your, re- your, your professional career, your, your recovery from the brain injury and the, the tumor and uh, now how you're leading a life of coaching and inspiring thousands, if not millions around the world uh, to live a better, healthier, and fit life through, uh, you know, nutrition, exercise, uh, mindfulness, and, and just being the best, best version of yourself. Awesome, man. Wow, that was quite the intro. I definitely appreciate it and to be connected and to have the opportunity to share. And 
it's interesting because, you know, mentioning that brain injury that led to the accidental uh, findings of the brain tumor, the original brain tumor that was taken out. Uh, it's just, it's just a big uh, part of the perspective I live with today that I'm passionate about. And that's that not every fall uh, can, can be looked at negative or should be looked at negatively because in that case it saved my life and it put me on the path I'm on today that led me here to this moment with you. And so I'm just super grateful for it and grateful for this opportunity to connect with you some more and to uh, just have a conversation. And, yeah, yeah, that's a great point that you make. You know, we think that falling is negative. It's actually uh, a possibility for a breakthrough. I always say breakdowns are the possibility for breakthroughs. And in your case, it was a major breakthrough. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Um, you know, that fall that you had BMXing, it was a head trauma that brought you into the ER uh, just for some x-rays, look to see if there was nothing else that was uh, more severe other than maybe a concussion, and they found this tumor. Tell us more about that in detail. Yeah, so I was uh, 21. It was March of 2010. I had turned 21 November prior. So I just turned 21, um, living my dream and some, traveling the world on TV, riding with my heroes like Dave Mira every day and competing in the X Games and just literally living the dream. And before the diagnosis in March, um, I'd been complaining about these debilitating headaches and migraines to the point where I was losing my vision. I was vomiting on and off throughout the year. And I'd gone into the same urgent care office down the road from my house every time. And they kept saying, you know, they kept denying me a scan. I just asked for any kind of scan to look at my brain, like something, x-ray, CAT scan, MRI, something. And they kept saying, no, like you don't need one. You just have headaches. It's quite normal in this country. And here's a, you know, the list of pain pills they'd offer me every time, you know, it was endless and just come back if you need more. That's literally everything. They told me I was normal and I was healthy. And so I didn't need a scan. So now moving forward to March, 2010, I'm trying a new trick outside of the foam pit, which is just a ramp into like a big, long, deep box of foam blocks. We kind of stole from gymnastics. And I've been uh, doing this, this trick for quite some time. And I tried learning a variation that day and I did it like 10 times in a row. I went to the real ramp to try it before the contest and I had fallen and hit my head had a helmet on, but got knocked out, got a concussion and had to go get an MRI because of it. So now all of a sudden, because I hit my head, Oh, we need to look at your brain. Uh, so thankfully they did because that's when they found it was eight centimeters long, I believe eight ish long by four wide and four deep, um, mm. on the left side of my brain. So it looked like a weird funky sweet potato growing in there. And yeah, it was pretty, pretty like interesting because when you think of brain tumor, uh, <laughs> You don't, you don't really think of that often. It's not like, you know, like, oh, like I wonder, like some people, I guess, are fearful that maybe they have a brain tumor from any kind of symptoms they're experiencing, but like that was never the case for me. But then now that I've experienced that, I'm very, very like alert for those types of things. So, you know, different conversations, people reach out, of course, because I share my story so much. But at the time, you know, I was just driving by myself to the doctor's offices thinking, oh, I'm just in the, you know, sad to say, but a routine MRI posts, you know, hitting my head to make sure I don't have any uh, crazy TBI symptoms. And, you know, they found a brain tumor. It was the last thing I ever expected. And it just really put me into shock. You know, I'm sitting there by myself, I'm 21, and I get this news. And the way the doctor presented it was, you know, like we get your report back and there's an abnormal scan. There's something in your brain that shouldn't be there. And I remember sitting there asking him, like, well, <laughs> like laughing out loud, like, what do you mean there's something in my brain that shouldn't be there? I mean, I didn't put anything in there. Like, what could be in there? And I was just joking it off, you know? And then uh, he was, well, it's, uh, it's a brain tumor. And at this point, we don't know if it's benign or cancerous, but we do know that if you want a shot at living, you have to have surgery immediately. And there's still a chance you may die. 
and you'll probably never ride your bike again. So in my mind, I just heard cancer, never going to ride your bike again. You may die. And shock set in and I just, you know, ran out and yeah. What did you do when you ran out? What were were the, did you have, what was the visceral feeling and the emotional feeling? What did you do like after leaving the hospital? Yeah. So, so first thing set in was like, oh, I'm dead. You know, I I literally thought like I'm going to die. Like that was just first thing that came to mind. And then after that, it was just, you know, fear, anxiety, you know, stress of thinking about like, what do I do? You know, I'm by myself just trying to figure this stuff out, collect myself. And then the victim mentality set in, you know, like, you know, why me? You know, what did I do to deserve this? And then thinking like, am I really that bad of a person that I just got diagnosed with a brain tumor? Like, you know, I haven't done anything bad in my life on like this level to deserve a death sentence. And I, I ran out, you know, to my car and I just, I just sat there and just tried to process and first thing I did was try to call my mom. I was living in North Carolina at the time where I still do, but I just moved there two years before then. And, uh, she still lived in Massachusetts where I'm originally from. And so I tried to call her and I just, words wouldn't come out. Like, you know, when you have a bad dream and like, no matter how hard you try to yell, like nothing comes out. Yeah. It was like that for my real life. Like I just, words just wouldn't happen. Um, and she knew instantly, you know, that there was something wrong. And then, you know, things finally came out and we had the, the conversation and it kind of went from there. But yeah, I just, it felt like the best way I can put it. I always try to describe it. And there's two ways I can put it. Uh, this, this roller coaster of emotions that I experienced just left me feeling like it's broken or like numb almost, you know? Um, and another way I can describe it is like, you know, you watch a movie and the main character or character gets like bad news and like the camera, like everything slows down. They're like that ringing noise hits and uh, in the ears and the, the camera slowly zooms out like it just seems like everything's just like coming to a halt and like crashing in like that's just that's just how it felt like i just felt so overwhelmed mostly fear and anxiety and then just kind of shocked i just felt broken you know how long did those feelings last and at what point did you decide to turn it around um so from diagnosis to surgery was about two and a half weeks somewhere around two and three weeks i'd have to look at the paperwork but it, it was felt like two and a half years <laughs> yeah it, it was it was it was interesting because it's been it's been almost 10 years now um you know it's been yeah it's been over like almost nine and a half years now and it's just really interesting to like try to think of that perspective and i think i've tried to remove so much of that 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 experience um subconsciously that uh to put myself back in those shoes it's it's hard but I do know there was a turning point midway through that two, two and a half, three weeks uh, period. And that it went from like fear to just, you know, like, let's just treat it like another injury. You know, like when can I get back on my bike? What do I have to do? And there was a couple of things that helped with that. Uh, my mom, um, who's alive and well today, but she battled, battled colon cancer silently. They didn't tell me about it, especially after I moved because she wanted me to succeed at my dream. Um, but she battled colon cancer for a good while, um, probably like 10 years or so and got through it with a smile on her face every step of the way so like seeing that and that strength you know knowing that she created me which is something i don't think people really think about as much as they should is like you know especially like i don't know it's a whole other conversation but like to see something like that and like no i came from that like i can do that too uh, but then at the time i had created a name for myself worldwide worldwide in the sport of bmx and so whether riders had really met me or had you know uh, really knew me at all they heard my story thanks to the media and bmx and them sharing and they reached out to let me know they were thinking of me and supporting me and then finally 
you know, learning about Lance Armstrong's story and another cyclist, you know, his wheels stay on the ground the majority of the time, uh, or at least that's the goal. Ours are to get off the ground and flip upside down. But, you know, to, to learn about someone else that rides a bike and went through what I thought was worse, you know, brain, lung, and testicular cancer. Um, and I don't know at this time whether it's benign cancer. So it doesn't matter. I just, I'm just thinking I need to have this done, you know. But to know his story and that he got back to the level that he got back to, whether whatever someone's opinion of how he did that is, doesn't matter. To get back to that level in general or in, in the first place is rare. Otherwise, it'd be a larger sport. Um, but to do that after all that again and again, it's pretty phenomenal. So those three pieces really helped me flip that fear into fuel to continue living my life the way I wanted to. I had done so much up to that point, um, sacrificed so much, and then to let that you know stop me wasn't something I was going to at least let my decisions and choices move forward allow. You know, you can't control the outcome, but you can control everything you can do to influence that outcome. So yeah, I just started focusing on what, what life was like if I woke up rather than like, what if I don't wake up? Like, what if I do? How am I going to live? And I just kept focusing on that. That's awesome. So you, you change your focus, you, you, you put, you know, all your energy and thought into the positive outcome rather than focusing on the negative area and aspect of it. But I'm sure you went through a lot of the ups and downs where, you know, you, you vacillated between those positive and negative thoughts. Um, but your experiences, I'm certain had as a BMX professional had helped shape your minds to be, you know, a thinker and a believer, you know, only on positive outcomes. You can't go into a BMX trial, you know, X games and think you're going to lose and be in last place. You're not going to, you shouldn't even be there if that's what you're thinking. Um, so, you know, you have to train your brain and thought process. And that's what I am healthy and fit is people are listening for the first time. I am healthy and fit is an incantation. You have to believe it before you can achieve it. And that goes with anything, right? You had to believe your outcome was going to be better. And you got, there was a you know, bit of luck. Luck is definitely on, you know, a part of this game. You know, you got lucky that it wasn't too, uh, a malignant tumor. It was, it was benign and it was able to get, you were able to get everything out. Um, but you know, even if had it been, you know, you might have been able to beat it with that mindset. So I want people to listen, you know, listening to know that the mindset is critical here, you know, and it's a very important process. How else would you be able to convey that, uh, the importance of mindset and positive beliefs and, uh, you know, purpose and having that vision to only see a, an outcome that is reflected of something that's going to be success? How important is that in your life, where you're at uh, during this during this journey and challenge? Oh, I think it's everything. Um, and and I, I, I say or I share that mindset is like the last piece that I learned, you know, because originally nutrition was the first thing that got me interested of making um, serious change. And then after blowing out my knee in 2013, fitness became the next next piece. But then learning about subconscious and conscious thoughts and like Dr. Joe Dispenza's work and just really how the mind manifests of the physical form. That was something actually I talked with Kerwin Ray about it a couple of years ago. And this is when I was like, Oh, like it's actually the last piece, but I think it's the most important. But just for me, the consciousness of that was last, but the whole time I've been learning it thanks to BMX. And that's why I think it's so important that people find something they're really passionate about, whether it's a sport uh, art or music, something like a skill that you can learn and be creative in your own way, because it sets up these, like these challenges, these many, you know, people call them failures, but in BMX, I learned really quick. Like you fall down, 
it not only mentally hurts, it physically hurts. But if you want to do something, you get up and you try again and you learn from what you did last time. And then just seeing progression, you know, like a rider would do a trick for the first time, like mind's blown. But because you saw it, you believe that it's possible now and that you can do it. And so learning how our thoughts become energy and become, you know, the physical form that we live in, it's like, and if you can really just put things in your mind, and, you know, obviously we have to be realistic to, I hate to use the word realistic because it kind of narrows things, but like, you know, if you're uh, not six something, you know, and you're not good at basketball, you're not going to be in the NBA, no matter how passionate about it you are. So like you have to have some self-awareness, but really having that vision sparks that emotional drive and that creates the action that comes after that and creates the, you know, the physical form. So it's just, I think it's everything it's, and are you familiar with Dr. Joe? I am. I've read his book, uh, breaking the habit of belief and, uh, he's, he's great. I love his, I love his stuff. That's the only book I have read. I know he's got a few others. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, reading his newest one, becoming supernatural. And I went through one of his workshops a couple of years ago and that's when I started, like, I didn't know what subconscious versus conscious was. Like I was super confused. And then as I went on it made more sense and then reflecting on different areas of my life where it fits in, I mean, it fits in everywhere, but like really seeing like my, my mind, I'm sorry, I got a puppy. Oh, seeing that my, uh, my mindset was what was dictating how the outcome of an event went, whether it was called good or bad, how I perceived it was really the determining factor of what the reality was after that. And so that's something I love sharing. It's like what you put in your brain, in your mind, that's going to determine how you see the world and how it unfolds for you. And that's what people talk about, you know, glass half full versus glass half empty. And it's like, it's just perspective, you know, how you see things. Definitely. And I, I couldn't agree more. And there's so many ways of doing that. Again, one of them is reading the right kind of books. Uh, you know, the, the media that we expose ourselves to, uh, reading books, listening to audio tapes, podcasts, of course. Um, you know, these are all great ways to start training your brain and putting the good information in. And uh, the other easier way, not easier way, but is to surround yourself around others who are achieving and doing what you want. And you had shared that, you know, you had three people in your life that you knew and didn't know intimately your, your mom and then Lance Armstrong and I believe there was another that had beat cancer. Uh, so these were examples and mentors to you to show you that it is possible, you know, and, and whether we know people or not, you know, who have gone through a challenge or life circumstance that we're dealing with now um, where we might not see light at the end of the tunnel, uh, but we know somebody else has gone through that experience. Just being like, open and authentic and vulnerable enough to be like, Hey, how did you do it? What did you do? What was your mindset? How did you eat? What did you, you know, what were the processes to help you get through that? And, you know, just really finding out everybody wants to help. There's not one person that would be like, Hey buddy, get out of here. You know, like leave me alone. Like they would be open arms, willing and wanting to help you in probably more ways than you could imagine. So I think that's a, another important way. And, you know, um, just simple things like the incantation of I'm healthy and fit and uh, you know, so many videos today on positive thinking and affirmations and uh, purpose driven life. I just did an interview uh, the other day with Dr. Richard Leiter, uh, who's a world renowned uh, purpose coach. Uh, he's called the, the Pope of Purpose and he's written three time national bestsellers. Um, and he's a, he's an awesome, awesome podcast. I uh, can't wait for that one to come out. Everybody listens to that. They're going to get a lot of value. Um, going from being professional, being back, sir, recovering from your, your injuries, uh, and your tumor 
having the brain surgery. How long was that process? And then when did you start to find yourself going in the direction of now what you do is being a, a coach, an advocate, a public speaker um, in this area of building, you know, making people better and, and living their purpose-driven life? You may have to remind me about that question because I wanted to say something about what we were just talking about with, you know, community or, and, and, you know, one of the biggest pieces of holistic health is community and really who you surround yourself with. So, sorry, he's like whining because I won't play with him right now. Is that a puppy? Yeah, he's 11 weeks old today. Oh, great. I just got a puppy. uh, She's nine months now, but uh, yeah, it's it's a fun, it's a fun, fun journey. His name is Cheddar and here he is. Hi, Cheddar. Hi, Cheddar. He may start whining again. Um, but yeah, so one of the biggest pieces for holistic health is community. And then, you know, if you've read Thinking Grow Rich, one of the 13 steps is a mastermind. Yes. Um, and then the other piece that I'd like to share is what I call virtual mentors. So whether you're consuming content from someone you've never met, maybe someone you've met once, or you're communicating with a friend or family member or someone in person, you know, that's, that's all community driven. That's all mastermind, if you will. It's- it doesn't have to be formal mastermind that you create and sell, you know, spots to or whatever, however it works. It's really just who you put in your life. And like, what is the, the saying? Like you're a byproduct of the five people you spend the most time with. That's right. That could be a podcast or a book. Like I love reading autobiographies. Like Ronda Rousey's book is amazing. And just seeing the journey and the struggle and like, like I hate looking at like the finished product, if you will, rather than like the journey. Because mm-hmm. no one can relate to that. And that's my, my experience getting to where I was. It wasn't like, oh, that's, it, it was like the, the, what you see on the outside or now like it sparked that inspiration. But then learning about the journey is what kept it motivating going forward. Otherwise, it's like, oh, like I'm just supposed to have a Rolex and a nice car and a house and a business and then this, this and that. And it's like, no, like <laughs> it's actually a lot of work and takes time and sacrifice. But if it's something you desire strongly enough, you'll find a way to make it happen without excuses. And so when I was going through the original diagnosis, like my mom and then other BMX riders that had gone through injuries, my own journey with injuries, Lance Armstrong story, like there was no excuses. There was just a desire. What does it take to make that desire happen? It, well, it takes a mindset to overcome it and the actions that come after. Um, so yeah, now I definitely did forget your question, but I just <laughs> wanted to touch on that. No problem. Well, the question was really like how, like during that time, how long it took you, you know, for your recovery. Oh yeah, that's right. At what point in the recovery did you make the decision to become a holistic coach? Okay. So that's a loaded question because four weeks after surgery, I went back to get an MRI because it only takes the skull four weeks to fuse back together, which is insane. So I got titanium screws in there, but four weeks later, I got the MRI, everything checked out. So my surgeon was like, let's just take another week just to make sure we're all good and then get back on the bike. So five weeks later, I started riding it, not flipping and spinning, but got back on the ramps, just cruising around. And then another seven or eight weeks after that, I was in England competing again and I got top 10. I got like eighth place, I think. Um, so it was phenomenal. But it took about a year and a half prior, uh, prior uh, beyond that to get my confidence fully back and what I was able to do on my bike. Even though I was doing them, it was more so out of the fact of like muscle memory and like, oh, this is what I do. But like, com- like I wasn't 100% confident what I was doing because I was afraid of injuring my, he- my brain again, hitting my head, mm-hmm. um, which ironically I did another time between the original surgery and then the second diagnosis, which was November 2012. So about two and a half years post uh, original brain surgery. And they said that the tumor had come back in two areas, 
one in the front, one in the rear, because in the original surgery, it was six hours and it was, it was an hour and a half longer than it was supposed to be because the original tumor was, which was really large, was wrapped around an artery in my optic nerve. So the type of tumor that I live with, tumors I live with today in the original one is called a meningioma and it grows from the meninges layer of your skull. So it didn't develop in the brain. It developed in the meninges layer and grew so massive that it started pushing into my brain, which was crushing the brain matter. By doing so, it also wrapped around the optic nerve and a main artery in there. So they couldn't risk hitting either of them because, I mean, the paperwork I had to sign off on the risk was the same, but like at the top was, yeah, bleeding out, stroke, being paralyzed, blind, um, dying right then and there, like so many things, having to have a shunt, all these things. So surgery went well, came back. And so he's like, you know, surgery's out of the question because they're so, they're about the size of a blueberry each. It was like the same risk is there. So the risk versus reward isn't, you know, what we even want it to be or wanted to be the first time. So um, radiation is going to be the way to go. And I remember my mom going through that and I was just like stubborn. I was like, there's got to be another way because I don't want to go through that. Like, and I, and I went to, you know, I called Dr. Google and found another technology called gamma knife radio surgery. And I was like, man, like they said not to have surgery, but despite the name, it's non-invasive outpatient. And they basically just use 180 degrees of radio wave beams and a computer to pinpoint exactly where to treat. And it, you know, for lack of better words, zapped the two tumors for four years and they shrunk and they've been stable about three years now. Incredible. Were you able to get that procedure in North Carolina or did you have to go to a special? So I actually went home to um, Massachusetts and Boston at Tufts Medical Center to be near my family for that one. It was right around Thanksgiving. My birthday is the 20th of November. So it was right around Thanksgiving, my birthday. And I just spent, um, you know, almost a week up there hanging out with family and riding I was on a mission to let people know that this was going to stop me. So the night before gamma knife treatment, I filmed the video, just letting people know, like riding uh, video, I should say, you know, like this isn't going to stop me. And I was back riding six days later just to make sure there was no complications. So it was pretty phenomenal. That's incredible. Um, you went through a lot of emotional, uh, you know, distress during that, I'm sure, like just the uncertainty of the outcome and just going through everything I know that I did. Um, and you had mentioned something earlier, uh, you know, that you've sort of subconsciously or consciously removed a lot of those experiences. It's been 10 years. Um, my 25 year anniversary is coming up on September 23rd of my traumatic brain injury uh, from a fall that I had when I was in college that left me nearly dead, paralyzed, and brain dead. And um, I had a podcast interview with a life coach, um, and she was able to uh, have a conversation with me in such an authentic way where I opened up, and, uh, and I'm very vulnerable, but I opened up in a way to tell my story where I just lost it, bro. I, I, I cried. I was crying on the podcast. Um, because it was an emotion that like, they're there, you know, they're, they're deep, you know, they're kind of like, I almost like you, like I set them back. Cause I'm a, I'm like, you know what? That was the past, you know, this is the present and I'm only like, you know, working today to go for tomorrow. But um, you know, we all go through so many challenges in life and it's good to sometimes recall what we went through. It was so cathartic for me to do that. And I wish for you to do that, have uh, you know, some of those, experiences in your in your life and journey um because it really was it was wonderful for me to go through that and that i, I recommend you listen to that and anybody listen to this go back to that episode it's uh episode number 58 
um, live, uh, it's, it's, what is it called? Hold on, I forget the name of them sometimes. Uh, Play a Bigger Game in Your Life with Ariana Tavakal. Um, so check that out. It's uh, about minute 25 if you want to even like fast forward to that. So uh, really cool stuff. Thanks for sharing. Um, so now going into, you know, being a life coach and, or holistic life coach and helping others, you know, see the light and getting into their space uh, in spite of what they're dealing with, um, you know, what sparked your interest in doing that and changing careers? So the Gamma Knife was November 2012, and then it was uh, the great beginning, I think like February 2014, um, I enrolled in a health coaching program called the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. And that was right when I started Great reading. Program. Yeah. Oh, you've, you've been through it? Yeah, I haven't been through it, but I know people that have. Oh, yeah. No, it, it, it was amazing. It taught me their biggest thing was to teach you how to think and not what to think. And that yeah. irritated me at the beginning because that was the first week because I was there to like learn, you know, how to take all that I was learning about uh, nutrition and try to help people. But um that was right after I read Grain Brain by Dr. David Perlmutter. And I was just super amazed by this nutrition thing. And then also how it correlates and directly affects brain health. And so I went through that with the mindset of, I want to learn more in a fashion that's going to be understanding, like understandable for me rather than like searching over Google, which can take you everywhere. Um, but also be able to do something with this, you know, when I'm done riding. And so they offered it uh, online. So I did it for a year online as I traveled competing and doing demos and things like that. So it was amazing. Um, but then fast forwarding through that, still competing, still traveling, still riding. And then February, 2017, another routine MRI showed two new masses had grown on the other side of my brain, leaving me before today. And that was the moment I just got done with an amazing contest season in 2016, uh, post ACL surgery, in November, 2015. And ended up top 10 in the world standings, missing one of five events. So even it was a point system. So I did well enough in the four that I did make it, that I made it in. Wow. So I was just super, super motivated to, for the next year, confident, just grateful. And then that diagnosis happened in uh, February of 2017. And then and there, the, so the first, the first diagnosis I mentioned, there was like this victim mentality, this like, you know, all, all these negative emotions and, you know, this fear. Second time that didn't last nearly as long. And I was excited. I was like, I did this once and they're saying that these things size of a blueberry, you know, before it was like this weird, funky sweet potato looking thing. So I'll be, I'll be able to do it again. It's fine. And then the technology, sorry, he's trying to wrap himself around the light cords. <laughs> the, uh, the technology was amazing and it was just, didn't even feel anything like you didn't, you would have never known. Um, and it's kind of how technology works nowadays, but and that showed such great results. So the third time that I got this diagnosis was seven years after the original diagnosis. And there was no sense of fear. There's no sense of um, victim mentality or anything like that. It was really more frustration. But then it just flipped to how can I use this to help me and to help other people? Mm. And so I decided to stop competing, um, stop working with BMX sponsors. Um, I wasn't able to fulfill certain obligations. And then really just started, it's a, kind of a long story how it happened, but just started um, coaching different executives around the ketogenic diet and how to turn that into a lifestyle or a tool, not just live it forever, but really how if they want to optimize certain areas of their life, especially brain health, which is my passion, it's like, well, let me, you know, let me create a business out of it. Because I, I, I thought like, all right, I'm done competing. 
but I didn't have a plan. And then I was like, well, how am I going to support myself? I was like, well, I got this certification. I've been learning a lot. I've been connecting with a lot of these researchers and doctors that I'm now friends with. You know, I have a lot of value to give. So let me help people do this because there's a lot of misinformation out there. And that's when that, that became a business of mine that I still coach people with today. Um, and then the speaking just, I've been putting it off since 2013 out of fear, just for never doing it and like judgment and like, oh, am I going to be good enough? And, you know, self-doubt. And then what do I have to share that people are going to care about? Um, but my first talk was April of 2018. And uh, it's been a little over a year now. So it's, it's something that just, naturally it comes to me because I want to share and I've been doing it in the media for over 10 years thanks to BMX so it's um it's it's cool because I say like I'm no longer on self I'm on purpose mm. being on self helped me to get to where I am now but it, it no longer serves me to be focused on just myself there's nothing that trumps someone saying thank you for whatever you did to help them let alone them saying thank you you helped save my life because the way I was going I now know I wasn't going to be living a quality life or, you know, I've had people that like had a heart attack scare and the doctor's like, you're going to die if you don't make changes like all these things. So like to be able to do that or to be able to just share my truth and someone say, thank you. That just changed my perspective, which is my mission to change people's perspectives. That that's everything. Like there's nothing And the last talk I gave, like the feeling I got from the crowd, it was like a concert, like the crowd, the community was just so supportive and they were just so high energy. I, I had never felt anything like that in all my years competing, no matter how large the crowd was or how much bigger it was. So to be in a community that I'm serving in such a way that brings that kind of energy to everyone involved, like that's, that's everything. So now it's just, just naturally what I want to do. It's incredible. I can, I can relate uh, on several ways, you know, that fear of not being good enough and, you know, what are people really going to learn from what I have to say or whatever it is. I had those fears with the podcast and I know you just started a podcast and we'll, we'll highlight that in a, in a moment too. It's like, why, why am I worthy? You know, even all like you look at my track record and I've got an amazing career um, and 25 years of, you know, knowledge and experience and surrounding myself around amazing mentors and professionals. But it's, uh, you know, those self-doubt limiting beliefs and um, we all go through them no matter, you know, if you're a pro BMXer or 25 years career veteran in this industry or whoever you are listening, like everybody has self-doubts. We just got to overcome those fears and just take action, like you said. Um, the other thing I relate to too is, you know, when you speak and being, I love what you said about like living rather than for self, but for per than on purpose, like you're living for purpose rather than self. And that was awesome. That was a, a great distinction there that I had never heard before. I, I want to use that. If uh, you don't mind, I'm going to, I'm going to take that from you. That lesson there of was really powerful because I've, um, you know, what the podcast is, is being, being on purpose. You know, what I do with my training, you know, you work with people one-on-one. -on -one. Yes, it's, it's on purpose, but it's still a small community, you know, it's small one-on-one -on -one or even a small group. Um, you know, this has the ability to reach millions of people, these podcasts. So we're uh, inter interacting with a much larger audience, which is a, an amazing platform and responsibility to, to do this. Um, you know, and I only do my best, you know, you know, sometimes I've received some messages from people speaking on, uh, on certain podcasts that I've had. Um, and one that I want to talk to you about, um, one in particular is a keto diet. You know, I've had a couple of negative feedback on people. Um, about keto diet and ketogenesis and 
Um, I know that you're an advocate for that, that it, you're, you're, you eat that way, you advocate it uh, with your holistic lifestyle coaching and, and nutrition coaching. Um, I, I want to hear about that. Like, why do you believe that keto is beneficial for you and others uh, when maybe some of the research out there is showing that, you know, that high fat diet, high protein, you know, animal fat and proteins are, are bad, uh, you know, low fiber from fruits and vegetables. Um, give us some insight into that because it is a controversial topic and I know that you've had success with it and um, I'm, I, I'm very I'm more so even for my own personal well-being and benefit too. Yeah, for sure. And there, it's, you mentioned so many different pieces. So I thrive on questions. Um, but to give an overall view, um, based on the things you mentioned first, um, so to be, to be clear, a ketogenic diet isn't the Atkins diet. It's not a high protein diet. It's what I call an optimized protein diet. So you figure out your body composition of where you are now, where you want to go, and you optimize your protein intake based on what it takes to get into a state of ketogenesis, which a state of ketogenesis could be multiple different ways you can get there through fasting, through diet, through exogenous ketones, uh, prolonged fasting, the individual working out, depending on the training path. There's so many ways. So what first people misunderstand is a ketogenic diet is just a diet, which the word diet is so misused in today's society because the definition of a diet is just what one or community consumes. It's not restrictive. It's not eliminating. It's not measuring. It's literally just what you put in your mouth. Um, that's what a diet is. So a ketogenic diet is one that is specific to the individual that allows them to get in that metabolic state of ketosis, which the metabolic state of ketosis is breaking down fat in your liver and producing what are called ketones in your bloodstream. Now, the other thing about fiber is there's a lot of research on low fiber intake, zero fiber intake, uh, carnivore diet, which I'm not solely, uh, totally convinced on. I haven't experimented with it. You haven't looked into the research on that yet, but Dr. Paul Saladino has a lot of compelling research, but the ketogenic diet, if you think about what fibers break down to, they break down to butyrate acid, which beta hydroxybutyrate acid, BHB is a ketone body. So fiber breaking down of this fatty acid feeds the gut flora, which helps the gut and everything to do with the gut and digestion. So that's one thing to note. Um, on that, but then also a ketogenic diet, like I said, is not a high protein animal protein deficient in vegetables. Like I eat so many more vegetables now than I ever did in my life. Um, my, my main go-to for lunch is a big bowl of spring mix. And then I add in, you know, uh, sauteed Brussels on there. I add in an ounce or two of walnuts or pecans, um, half an avocado, pickled okra. And then I put in my six to eight ounces of protein, depending on what I'm doing that day and what meal of the day that is. I do two meals a day. Um, that's, we can talk about that later. But, uh, and then the majority of my fats are plant-based, olive oil, avocados, avocado oil, you know, coconut oil, things like that. So the macadamia nuts is like my favorite snack, a little salt on there. Like it's my favorite thing. Um, so I think that addresses the things you noted. Now, the main thing I hear is, oh, keto doesn't work for me. Or, oh, keto uh, is bad, it clogs your arteries. Or, oh, like, yeah, just I felt like crap on keto. Now, feeling like crap and keto doesn't work for me lacks so much context because what people don't understand, there's an adaptation process that occurs. So you've probably all heard of the keto flu. That's literally 
this adaptation process happening where your brain and muscles are trying to figure out who's going to use fatty acids and who's going to use ketones, which spoiler alert, the brain can only use ketones or glucose. Fatty acids can't bypass the blood brain barrier, but muscles uh, over time, muscle tissue can learn to oxidate or burn fatty acids for fuel and allow all the ketones to go to the brain, the heart and lungs and other tissues, things like that. Dr. Perlmutter's work shows um, in his book, he states the brain and the heart can run 25% more efficiently on ketones rather than glucose. Mm. And then other research like Dr. Andy Campitelli, um, Dr. Ken Ford, Dr. Jeff Folk, Stephen Folk, you know, all these people are showing even in the presence of glucose, the, 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 a lot of the main tissues and organs in the body will prioritize using ketones first. And so it's like, how can you say that? So anyways, back to the adaptation process, what's happening is anywhere from two to six, two weeks to six months, this adaptation process can occur and does continue occurring, but to what degree it depends. So when someone says, Oh, keto just it, it was miserable. Okay. Well, are you consuming enough salt? Because when you don't eat high carbohydrates, your body dumps insulin and dumps salt by doing so and other electrolytes. So you have to replenish electrolytes. That's, that's the first mistake. The other mistake is people don't understand this adaptation process. And so what's happening is you have things called MCT transporters or monocarboxylic acid transporters. Um, they're like tunnels. So like, let's say you have traffic in, um, on a, a main island, a main, mainland and you want to get to this island or you want to, however, you got a tunnel going, shuffling cars from one side to the other. That's what MCT transporters are. They're shuffling ketones and lactic acid from different areas of, um, in and out of the bloodstream to different tissues. So when you have this flood of ketones and let's say five highways, five tunnels, whatever you want to call it, five transporters, they get backed up. And so your body isn't able to utilize them as efficiently as it can. So over time, it develops more and more MCT transporters. So you're able to get more of this usable energy called ketones into the tissues. And so that's not to get too far down that road, but like that's one of the things that people miss is electrolytes, getting enough fat and the right kinds of fats, not just bacon and butter, um, reading art and science of low carbohydrate performance or art and science of low carbohydrate living will teach you the ratios of fat, how the body stores fat and what ratios you would want to eat that it prefers to burn and all these things. But really the most important thing is understanding electrolytes and the adaptation process. It takes time. And if you don't, supplemental electrolytes you're going to feel like garbage no matter if you're adapted or not um so that's, that's just thing some of the, the important things um, yeah, people take away just little bits and pieces you know they just think it's high fat high protein you know and related to what you said the atkins which it isn't it is really not not at all i mean it has quality, quality matters like science to it and that's the thing too people are like oh it's keto like it's people that are advocates of keto are like oh it's keto it doesn't matter it's like, you can't just go to Wendy's and get a bunch of burgers and cheese and mayo and bacon. That's processed garbage food. Mm -hmm. um, canola oil, which is a plant-based vegan, you know, whatever you want to call it. It's, it's a plant food oil, but it causes digestive distress in large amounts. Olive oil, not so much, not nearly at all. Um, so it's like, there's just context. Not everything is black and white, which is why Jackie and I labeled our podcast, the Gray Matters podcast. Mm -hmm. Um, because it's my favorite thing to talk about is, is perspective and context. Um, and that's why I do what I do. And uh, clearly you can tell I'm really passionate about this um, and why I develop so much time to learn these things, understand them is because for someone to say keto doesn't work for me, first thing I'm going to say is why. And they're usually in my experience, not going to really explain why. And I'm like, all right, what did you do? What does keto mean to you first? What does that look like? And what did you choose to consume and when? 
Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's just, there's so many pieces unfold. And I was like, well, did you know this? Did you? And that's why I do what I do with my clients. And then they see, oh yeah. So I did what you said. I tried that thing out and it worked or it didn't work. Then I tried the other thing and it worked. Um, and that's also where exogenous ketones come in. Um, and that's what I'm a big proponent of now is learning that it's, um, we have a hashtag make them and take them. Mm-hmm. So you make ketones in your body endogenously and then you take ketones exogenously as a supplement. Um, and prove it is the brand I use and they're the only bioidentical uh, ketone out in the market. And so why it's important is like I said, as you adapt, your ketone levels start to drop and that's not a bad thing. And I, I should say they drop in the blood so when you measure them, they're lower. That's because the tissues now are soaking them up and using them. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, you're just making so many and like the brain and muscles aren't really sure what's happening. They're just having a large amount in your blood. So yay, I'm in a state of ketosis. I'm getting high numbers but that's actually a bad sign unless you're taking exogenous ketones and making them. So um, exogenous ketones can help people adapt as well because it's that usable energy that's already in the bloodstream when you consume them rather than having to break down fat, fatty acids and you know, so on and so forth. Um, and they're bound to salts naturally. So you're getting the electrolytes there too. Um, so it, it's really interesting. Uh, I always just love asking people. I've learned to just like not challenge people or just say like that's right or wrong when I was super uh, new to this and passionate about it, I was like, no, you can't do that. Now I'm just like, oh yeah, that didn't work out. Why? Or that's bad. Why? You know, like I, I just love asking people why, cause I'm always fascinated with what they, uh, what their preconceived notions are. They actually do really know based on research, you know, cause a lot of people, myself included, you know, in the past would just see a headline. You know, you probably saw this Harvard says coconut oil causes cancer. Right. <laughs> what there's no there's literally no research showing that and it's all these you know pure things and all these different correlation studies and that's what people don't know they don't know that cowspiracy is based on all these weird um what do they call them like uh i forget what the studies are called when people are like oh yeah do you remember what you ate last year They're like yeah i show and like they just fill it in it's like not controlled at all and then they go, they correlate it to things. And it's like, oh, so if 90 people went to Harvard and 20 of them um, actually got a degree, that means if you go to Harvard, you're not going to get a degree. Like, it's like, how can you actually say that? But people don't know that. They don't know to look into that. So that's, again, why I'm really fortunate to be friends with a lot of these researchers now that are like, no, that's not really how that works. And- Great perspective. So would you, uh, would you say that it's right now for you, not only a profession, but a lifestyle to help save your brain, to give you the best opportunity to prevent another tumor or the growth of the tumors that are existing in your brain from growing. Yeah, no, 100%. And that's the, the other piece you mentioned I missed, and this is the most important, is brain optimization and performance. It doesn't mean perform like an athlete. It just means how can you make your brain perform better? And so there's things like glycation. Um, it's like blood sugar damage. So even if you're on, you know, the most organic, non-GMO, vegan diet, if you have high or chronic elevated levels of blood sugar, that's damaging. That also creates uh, a lot of processes with the mitochondria, which is the part of the cell that creates energy, to be you know, dysfunctional, and they can show that now. And so a, a big factor in why ketones are so superior as a brain fuel source is because when the mitochondria become dysfunctional, which is, you know, it can happen from TBIs. Um, it's a big form of Alzheimer's and the plaque builds up and that can happen from TBIs and concussions um, or just chronic elevated levels of blood sugar or stress or anything that, you know, uh, creates a lot of just different damage with different hormones like cortisol and all these things. Um, 
the mitochondria can't use glucose for fuel in, we're talking about in the brain, um, even with abundant levels. And there's a part of the Krebs cycle, which is what produces ATP, which is our natural body's energy. It's not calories. It creates energy. It's, it's calories converted to ATP. Um, but ketones can bypass two of those steps in the damaged mitochondria to bring them, you know, lack of better words, back to life. Um, not entirely, not always the case, but, um, Dr. Ryan Lowry and Jacob Wilson, uh, they have a facility called the Aspie in Tampa and they wrote the ketogenic Bible. They do a lot of research, um, alongside with Dr. Don Biagasino out of South Florida as well. Their focus is brain health and optimization. So they work with like NHL athletes and NFL combine athletes, uh, Parkinson's patients, Tony Robbins, you know, all these people to help um, optimize their brain health and performance. And they look at so much different research and data and clinical research with patients. And yeah, it's, it's, it's just amazing. So at the end of the day, the thing people miss is ketogenic diet can be whatever people want it to be. What we're looking at is a state of ketosis, which is having ketones in your bloodstream. You can follow a paleo diet and take exogenous ketones and get into that state. And that's going to have a lot of benefit. Because the other thing too is the new conversation with keto is coming to energy and signaling molecules. So I'm sure you've heard of epigenetics, yes. you know, which is the expression of our genes from choice in our life. That's up to 70% of our genes now. And Dr. Andy Campitelli, uh, she's at a, I think she's out of Toronto. She uh, just said that at the conference I was at in May, and she she was talking about that. I was like, man, like that's the majority of our cells or our genes and our bodies can be influenced to turn on and off based on what we do. Um, ketones have epigenetic, profound epigenetic effects. So they lower inflammation uh, naturally. You know, they lower blood sugar and they raise ketone levels, which is all these things help our brain perform better. And the reason why I love the brain is not only my story and my journey with brain tumors, you know, brain uh, injuries, is because when you focus on brain health, everything is a byproduct after that. It's when your brain is suffering, it shows in other forms. And so if we can target the brain, we're going to think better. We're going to feel better. We're going to look better. You know, we're going to perform better. We're going to have better relationships. We're going to have better thought processes and all these different amazing things. I, amazing uh, information there. You can definitely tell your passion and your, your knowledge in and around this uh, is beyond what normal, you know, just being somebody in this industry for five years would have. You can see how much time you've, com you've committed and devoted to the information. Um, you know, epigenetics is, is something that I've been really passionate about as well over the past 10 years or so uh, when I first learned a little bit about it and understanding genes because I come from, and, and Jordan helped me realize this um, recently, uh, we were, a little story, we were at, a, uh, at a, a lacrosse camp that I teach and coach at in Florida and he comes to kind of help out and we went into a grocery store after the camp to get some groceries and we were buying some beer for the guys to go back. And, uh, the guy at the register asked me for my ID and I hadn't been asked for my ID in a long time. I was like, Oh, I kind of like chuckled and I pulled out my ID and I said, before you look at it, how old do you think I am? And he looked at me and he said, uh, 29. And I smiled even more. And I said, boy, you just made my day. And he looked at the ID and he was like, holy cow. He's like, you're 44 years old. I was like, yeah, man. And he goes, what do you do? And I was like, well, it's living a healthy and fit lifestyle. You know, I mean, it's sum it up. Uh, I've been doing it for a long time. And, um, you know, so Jordan, we get in the car and he goes, man, he goes, that's your, that's your ticket. You know, he's a, he's a bright eyed, he's a 
he's a bright individual and sees these things that sometimes we don't see. And he goes, you know, you've talked to me always about like, you know, you being in shape and this and that. He goes, but I've seen pictures of your family and they're not very healthy and they're kind of like heavy. And I said, yeah, they are. And he goes, you're a skinny kid in a fat family, you know, like you have those genes, you just haven't expressed them. And I go, yeah, that's exactly right. Like I've just maintained a high level of standard in my whole life. Like I don't wear glasses where everybody else in my family wears glasses. Um, I, you know, have done above and beyond things, you know, physically and just the way I maintain myself um, over the past, you know, 44 years that it's not, it's in my genes to be a fat kid. Like I just don't express them. I know it is like it's there and I just choose to do all the right things so that those genes that are in my body lie dormant and I don't express them and eating healthy, having a great lifestyle, reducing stress, having proper sleep, which for me is huge, having love, self-love and, and giving love and sharing love and community that you have a dog. I'm not sure if you're married or you have a girlfriend, um, but you know, having love in your life or, um, you know, exploring those possibilities is really important. Um, these are all really important things. And last but not least, it's fun. So I, I created this like this wheel of life, if you will, of, of being healthy and fit that includes all of those areas. Um, outside of genes, what you express with diet, what other areas of lifestyle or uh, health and wellness would you highlight to say that is important for our listeners to know um, anything about to help, you know, just again, steer them in the right direction towards being healthier and fit and having an optimal, optimal life and live to the best of their ability. Yeah. So, I mean, it breaks down to the three macros that I view a healthy lifestyle is, is, you know, what you put in your body, how you move your body and what you put in your mind. Um, from there it can, we could have hours of endless conversation about just, you know, one of those and the, the, you know, categories we would fill that with. Um, but really for me, I just try to live every day with my non-negotiables of really what I choose to put in my mind, what I choose to put in my body and how I move my body. So not every day I'm going to be in the gym training on a you know specific program. Some days we go to the rock wall uh, club and we climb. Um, we like to go hiking a lot. Um, I like to ride BMX, of course, still, you know, so um, it's just whatever feels good to move my body and be, you know, outside and connected with other people. That's one of my other non-negotiables is growth and challenge and um, being in uncomfortable situations and learning and creating connections with people. And that's like, you know, that's, I think what the human experience is, is just being connected uh, with people. So having conversations like this and just being able to share stories and see what we can do to help. So um, yeah, I mean, whether that's, you call it community or what, but that's another one of the pieces. Absolutely. Well, you highlighted that a little bit earlier in the podcast. Um, is there anything else, you know, Josh, that you'd like to share with the audience to be able to uh, express your passions uh, and what you're up to? I know you alluded a little bit to the podcast. Uh, tell us a little bit about that so that people listening can visit that, subscribe to it, and uh, you know, obviously listen to your uh, your knowledge. I think you have a partner that's involved in that as well. So tell us a little bit about it. Yeah. So my girlfriend, Jackie, uh, her and I met a little over four years ago. She was my athletic trainer walking me through the surgery and rehab from ACL. And uh, she's a past former Taekwondo Team USA athlete for 15 years. I think she competed, um, maybe 16. But um, yeah, so her and I decided to start this podcast. Um, 
this past Monday was our second episode. So every Monday at 7.30 Eastern time, we're putting out an episode. But we're calling it the Gray Matters Podcast, a little play on words with brain matter and the importance of it. But also not everything as this podcast shows right here is black and white. There's a really big gray area that I argue is probably bigger than the black and white areas people like to uh, make as so black and white. Uh, but yeah, it's just really us exploring, you know, our beliefs, um, having guests on there to share their perspectives and beliefs and just talk about everything from athletics to sports medicine, to keto, to sex and love and relationships and, you know, athletics, sorry, it's athletics, but, um, just mindset, like, you know, like really anything that makes up a human being and that we're all passionate about and just to see what perspectives may differ and what stories we can tell. Um, the other day, I won't be out for a couple of weeks, but my buddy Miles, who went from up to seven seizures a day to now he just went four months without a seizure after two failed brain surgeries and 12 different medications. He's on a ketogenic diet for about a year now and went from seven a day to a couple a day to a couple of week to now just four months without a single one after they want to cut him open a third time. And that's pretty phenomenal. So just sharing stories like that, like we, we talk about, we'll get you on there to share your journey and your perspectives and passions. But yeah, that just um, just something we wanted to do just to explore human potential, really, and just see, you know, like, that's one of my biggest things, like, why I do all I do. Yeah, it's to change people's perspective that leads to new action. Like, that's my mission. But my passion is really just showing people the potential they have for their lives once they believe it, feel it, and then put it into motion. And that's what I've learned in my journey. I'm just a broke kid from Cape Cod. You know, like I, people say, oh, you're from Cape Cod, you come from money. No, I worked my ass off, working class family that taught me the value of hard work and create the life you want based on it. But everything I do today is because of all the things I've learned and all the obstacles and challenges I've had. So if I'm able to live the life I live and how I live it, which is complete, like I need to do a vlog about what I used to eat like and drink like and all that back 10 years ago uh, when I got diagnosed. But if I can make these changes, other people can. And it's one of my challenges is helping people that don't have the experience you and I have that develop the perspective of our brain being a priority and why we do the things we do or don't do the things we used to do. Cause it's so easy for people to be like, Oh, I'm fine now. It's like my favorite thing that I hate. It's yeah. like the phrase I'm fine. Now you're fine. Why not feel amazing? And why not you know, feel good tomorrow as well. Like I'm fine now. Like what happens tomorrow? Are you doing anything to be proactive about it? So, um, that's just part of what we want to share on the podcast too. And everything I do. Awesome. Where else can others find you? Um, all, all social media. Um, let's see, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn. Yeah. I think that's all of them. Job, I, everything. Josh Perry BMX. I keep it simple. Yeah. Uh, most active on Instagram. Um, so if you shoot me a DM, I try to respond to those a couple times a day, but, um, yeah, we share a weekly vlog. Um, the podcast is also on YouTube. Um, episode six and beyond will be video. So that'd be cool for those that want to watch, but, um, yeah, that's just Josh Perry BMX. I just try to share, you know, everything we just talked about today, just more in depth and just one day at a time to share the journey and just, see what I can do to connect with people and make myself as available as I can. Because, you know, uh, for me, that, that sense of support community from strangers and loved ones, you know, was everything. And so if I'm able to share a perspective and then respond to someone and that changes their whole day, you know, just because someone listened, um, then that's, that's awesome. So that's what I try to do. Awesome, Josh. You're an amazing guest. I appreciate you. And I appreciate Jordan Paris, Growth, Growth Mindset University podcast for interviewing uh, or introducing us and creating this possibility of having you on the show. I'm looking forward to being on your show and staying connected to you 
Uh, it's great to have people like you on our team to keep moving, pushing the needle and moving it forward and creating optimal health and wellness for everybody that, you know, listens and really just tunes in because this is, ladies and gentlemen, this is an important message. The information we provided here is, is outstanding, uh, game-changing stuff here. Uh, and, you know, you heard it from horse's mouth. I mean, this is, this is someone here who's lived, uh, you know, life that has been a challenge, uh, has had an awesome career as BMX, and now is have, on his way to having an amazing career in the health and fitness space. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just grateful that we were able to share this opportunity to give this information to our listeners. Until uh, the next time, everybody, please stay healthy and fit. Josh, you're the man. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Thanks for having me on and allowing me to share. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the podcast. And one more thing before you take off. Would you like to receive a short email from me one time a week on Fridays? Five to Thrive Fridays is a way for me to keep you expanding your health and fitness with five of the coolest things that I find interesting or ideas that I've been thinking about. Health and fitness books, trends, foods, recipes, supplements, anything to keep you feeling healthy and fit over the weekend and beyond. Visit stevejordan.com and click on the hashtag IamHealthyAndFit to leave your email address. And one more important note, if you found this podcast motivating, inspiring, or educational, please share with your family, your friends, coworkers, or anyone that you know who needs to improve their health or fitness. Take a screenshot of this podcast and share on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or any other social media platform. Taking the initiative to share not only helps the people you share it with, but it will help you because the law of giving to get. You see, when you give with generosity and without expectation, you will receive more for doing so. And this holds true when you want to be healthy and fit, my friends. This is another exercise that I prescribe to all of my clients. And those that have taken it on have undoubtedly seen the most results. So please, take a few more minutes of your time and do it now. Thank you again for listening. I am healthy and fit.